All right, tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue going down through the, the Bible teachings, and tonight's message is on First Chronicles. And just to recap, you know, that's what this book really is. You know, this is where things get a little bit jumbled. You know, if you're reading through the Bible chronologically, this is technically the, the last book that was ever written as far as the Old Testament is concerned. So this is why, like, if you're reading it through, you know, you, you read through Samuel, you read through, you know, first and second Samuel, read for first and second Kings, then you get into Chronicles, you're like, I just read this stuff. You know, so you, you kind of like, and it starts out with a genealogy. It's technically nine chapters of a genealogy. So you start reading name, begat this name, begat this name, this, you know, and it's name after name after name after name, and you're like, I did this already, and I don't know who any of these people are. So you start flipping, and you're like, eh, I'm done with this book. And you know, and you go on to the next one. Come on, let's be honest. Like, oh, I'm going back to Psalms. You know, and it's like, you know, but the tricky thing is that God's always trying to get our attention, and there's something moving and going on in this genealogy that it's making the point that God's been moving since Adam. And he starts pointing out different people. Now, there's a lot of people in between that we don't really know who they are. And we might know, recognize a few names. And there's a lot of names that get repeated because, you know, they use the same names. But, you know, it, it starts to point out certain key people along the path. You know, and if you just skipped over the genealogies, you miss one of the, the these little prophetic prayers that kind of snuck in there that it really is kind of this interesting fact. is like you're reading name after name after name, and you're literally four chapters in of name after name after name. And if you made it this far, then you're super spiritual. But anyway, in chapter 4, all of a sudden it stops, in a sense, and it talks about this man named Jabez. You know, And it says that his mother named him Jabez because his birth was so painful. And he was one who, who prayed to God of Israel... Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from trouble and pain. And God granted him requests. And then it goes right back into name after name after name after name. Now, I don't know about you, but my, my life's been pretty painful. You know, and it's hard for us sometimes to relate to God in the sense that he wants to, to wipe away our pain. And he wants to give us a better life. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in our mess of what's going on right in front of us and we think that we're never going to get out of it. You know, and I remember in and out of recovery for many years prior to Jesus, I was very hopeless. And I did not have the hope to even do the work or, you know, I would get accumulated time, but I was still very broken and very depressed. And I'd do the bare minimum and, and to just get by and I'd go to meetings and I'm, going to outpatient, and I'm doing this and that. But all of a sudden, God started to show up in my life, and it started to change everything. You know, and this prayer kind of sticks out to me. There's also a little book. It's literally a little book. I mean, you could read it in probably 20 minutes. And, you know, and it really breaks down this prayer. But, you know, it talks about, you know, having a painful life. And it says, God, would you bless me and expand my territory? And that you would keep me from trouble and pain. You know, that God wants to do things in our life and sometimes we limit Him and His abilities. You know, and 
I've prayed this prayer. I have this prayer on my wall. You know, and every now and again, I'm like, God, increase my territory. Increase my influence. Keep me from trouble and pain. Help me not to cause trouble and pain. You know, that's another aspect of this prayer if you get into some of, you know, the different variations of it. Because we're so used to causing trouble and pain. So not causing trouble and pain is like a whole new thing. And it's like very uncomfortable that I was so addicted to chaos that I thought peace was boredom. And I remember very early in my recovery with Jesus, and I'm stir-crazy in my apartment, and I'm thinking of what I can go do. And I remember very clearly, I'm going to go hang out with this person. I remember very clearly, very clearly, like, that's a bad idea. And I went and hung out with this person, and it was a bad idea. Like, I had this brilliant thought. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, knucklehead, that's a bad idea. So I went and hung out with this person all day long, and it was like, I could not wait to get home. And finally I get home, and I'm like, oh, finally I'm home. I'm in my peaceful environment. And I remember, as the Holy Spirit started beating me up with this, is that I would rather go hang out with people I don't like than hang out with a person I hate, and that's sitting home with myself. And I remember, I'm like, that wasn't, that wasn't boredom. That was peace. And it's so uncomfortable for me because I don't like being alone in my own head. And this is really some of the things that really stirred me on to like, I need to figure out this Jesus thing. I need to get some healing. I need to get rid of this pain. I need to figure out how to work these steps in the sense that I'm going to do this stuff to help set me free. Now, granted, Jesus has a whole nother level of freedom that we're still learning about. I'm still learning about. Like he has things that he wants to bless us with that it's so important that we realize that just because our life has been a certain way for such a long time doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. That I've been in the cycle of dysfunction since I was a little kid and I'm just so used to this is the way it is, you know. But as Jesus came into my life and he started healing me and healing my mind and I started handling things a different way and I, I got some healing through the steps and I got some healing with a deeper relationship with Jesus and I understand my identities in him and him alone, that all of a sudden I stopped doing painful things to myself and to other people. And I started to recognize that peace is a very important part of this process and I need to guard it. And I need to stop hanging out with people that I don't really want to hang out with but I'm tired of being alone all the time. Because I realize that my alone time is a very peaceful time. Now, I can get flip-flopped with that and be isolating, and then that's not really a peaceful time because I'm still warring with myself. So there's a balance in there, which we're not really good at either. You know, I have to learn when I need to talk, and I have to learn when it's okay to just chill, and I have to learn that I need to, you know, people to check on me, and just because they're saying, hey, how are you, doesn't mean my ego needs to check in and get all defensive. Like, I'm doing fine, don't you know? Like, we have to realize that people are starting to care about us because we're not junk. You know, and as we grow in this process, we should be gaining people in our circle. You know, if we're very isolated still in a recovery or with Jesus, I need to check that and say, well, what's my issue? You know, and, you know, and some people just suck and we have all, we all, every one of us in here has trust issues. So we have to work through some of this stuff. But I promise you that we believe in a big God who starts putting people in our path that we can begin to trust. And we will struggle with that. But 
you know, they keep showing up and they don't give up on us, you know, and they're still there, you know, and we do stuff and we're like, eh, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? God's putting this man in my life. God's putting this woman in my life. And we have to begin to recognize that these are some of the people that God is wanting to use to help us to build healthier relationships. You know, and maybe some of these people will help us to grow and become who God has called us to be. So it's important, you know, that we could pray prayers like this. God, bless me. You know, I've been living a hard life my whole life. God, I'm asking you to bless me. God, increase my territory. Increase my influence. Give me, you know, a job. Or give me my kids back. Or give me, you know, but some of that stuff comes with character building attached to it. You know, so it's important that we recognize that when we want God to do stuff in our life, that sometimes God's like, I'll do it, but let's do some stuff first. You know, and God wants to take us to new places with him if we do it his way. So with that being said, I encourage you to play, uh, pray those prayers because sometimes we think that if we pray for ourselves, it's selfish. And that's not true. It's very important that we're praying for ourselves. But it's also important that we rely on you know, and trust in his word, and we rely on his timing. Because there's things that we pray, and when we don't get our answer to our prayer, then we start helping. I'm helping you, God. I'm helping Jesus. I'm helping, because you're really distracted with something else, because you're not listening to me. You know, so all of a sudden, we're helping. And all of a sudden, everything gets really chaotic all over again. And we're like, God, where did you go? And it's like, it's God's fault. And he's like, um, I didn't answer you because that was a no. Or I didn't answer you because I wanted you to wait. Or I didn't answer you because I wanted to see what you were going to do. You know, because we're helpers. You know, I, I've yet to really meet anybody that's in recovery that's not a complete control freak. <laughs> you know, because I create my own defense mechanisms. Because I've been abused and I've been abandoned and I've been neglected and I... I struggle, you know, so I got to help, you know, I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to take care of me. And why are you getting mad at me? Because I'm helping you, you know, and all of a sudden, oh, look, I have codependency issues. Oh, geez, great. Thanks. I got something else to work on, you know. But as we work through our pain, we stop doing some of the same things over and over again. And God wants to take us to new places. And see, this is the story of First Chronicles, because they didn't listen to the warnings of Moses and they didn't listen to the warnings of Joshua and they didn't listen to the warnings of the prophets and they didn't listen to the warnings of King David and they didn't listen to all the mistakes that they've been making and all the craziness that's been going on in their life. You know, here when this book is written, their kingdom is being restored on some levels. You know, it's at the end, you know, of really a catastrophic annihilation of their lifestyle, you know, that they had been exiled a couple of times. You know, Babylon came in and wiped them out, and then they got a little bit back, and then they kept being knuckleheads, and the Assyrians came in and wiped them out. And they literally wiped them out. Like, they were really crazy, you know, in the way that they handled certain things. Like, it's like, do you believe in our God? No. Like, I'm going to cut off your arm. You know, and it's like crazy when you read on, like, what some of these people did for the worship of their God... And yet, we kept interacting with them. We kept getting involved with the Canaanites, and we kept getting involved with the Ammonites, and we kept getting, you know, worshiping Baal, and putting up Asher poles, and and worshiping this, and worshiping that, and and doing all sorts of, you know, these crazy, you know, sadistic things to worship gods that wasn't our God. 
you know, and what's happening through Chronicles, it's a remembrance of how God's mercy has been moving in and throughout their life. So it's a recap of some of the things that you've already read through First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. But you'll start to notice it doesn't have any of the negative stuff in there. Like it's talking about David and it's highlighting. It's like a highlight reel for David. And it throws some extra stuff in there. Like David was amazing. Like David did some cool stuff. And then David wanted to build the temple. And, and God gave David the plans for the temple just like he gave Moses the plans for the tabernacle. So it's making this prophetic connection through the genealogies so that they're seeing how God has been moving in their lives in spite of what they've been doing. And it's this message of mercy. Because we've done a bunch of crazy stuff. And then we start to come to know Jesus, and he begins to wipe away that pain, that all of our sins are under the blood of Jesus. So all of a sudden, this is a a prophetic message of the Messiah coming, that he's going to become, you know, the next king. You know, and they didn't understand how that was happening, and still today some of the, you know, people are a little confused how the Messiah coming, and we're like, oh, he already came, he's doing some cool stuff, his name is Jesus. You know, and some people are still waiting for him to show up, and we're like, you missed the bus. But you can still come and hang out with us, all you got to do is accept him. You know, and there's this prophetic message that's floating through the Chronicles of, of pointing them to God, who is a merciful God, in spite of all the crazy stuff that you've done, just like we have done some crazy things, and this merciful God comes in and rescues us again and again and again and again. You know, and we we do stupid stuff still today. And then all of a sudden God's like, um, I love you. You want to come do it my way? And we're like, um, yeah, I probably should, because stuff's gonna get crazy if I keep going in this direction. You know, and this is the message of Chronicles in this sense, is that it's it's guiding them in this idea that God has been so good to them and so merciful to them, very similar to how much God has been good to us and how merciful he's been to us. You know, it's it's creating this spiritual foundation of true worship again because they were into so many different types of worship that it, it's pointing out David and how David was a God or a man after God's own heart and he, he worshipped the God and he, you know, he worshipped Yahweh and he went and got the the ark, and he was willing to, to build the, the the temple, but God wasn't ready to do that yet, so he prepared it, and he got all the, the lumber, and got all the stones, and got all the gold, and he prepared for what God was going to do, that God wants to do things in our lives too, and he gives us resources beyond our understanding, but it's truly to learn how to worship him, because we've worshiped other things and we haven't really realized that we've had this idol worship in our lives in many different ways, whether it's drugs and alcohol, it could be a relationship, it could be money, it could be food, it could be a variety of different things, that today we would say, well, I'm not worshiping that, but I sit in front of Netflix, you know, 10 hours a day, and I've watched a million series, and I get depressed when my series has ended, and i got to find a new one. All of a sudden, I'm worshiping a Netflix god. Because Netflix is making my pain go away. I would not say that out loud, but my actions are screaming that loud and clear. You know, we worship the ice cream god, the (laughs) black raspberry milkshake god. (laughs) Because that's my idol. Like, it seems like every day I'm like, Stewart's or Burn Dairy, we gotta get a milkshake. And then I drag everybody with me. Who wants ice cream? Like, I do, but. 
sweet justification right there. You know, God's saying work on my weight. And I'm like, eh, what's a little milkshake? You know, we justify things. You know, and, there, you know, we can get wrapped up in school, wrapped up in money, wrapped up in a relationship that this person's going to make me feel better about myself. And in all reality, it brings a lot of chaos a lot of times. You know, and God puts people together for reasons. And, you know, there is good relationships and we have to be hopeful for that because, you know, it's not all destruction and pain like our past has been. You know, God is trying to teach us how to live in a new way so that we don't keep falling back into the same cycles as we used to. You know, <clears throat> there really should be no other goal for us is to be completely devoted to God. You know, and as we're completely devoted to God, he starts to give us avenues to do stuff. You know, he'll give us different jobs. He'll send us back to school. You know, he brings money. He brings things. There's nothing wrong with ice cream or Netflix, but it's done in its proper way. Like, it's entertainment. It's not my all-day, everyday thing. You know, so we start realizing that God's got to come first. And see, that's where they got off path is, is that, God was supposed to do what they thought he was supposed to do, and because he didn't do it their way, they went to seek out other gods. Now, we would not say that we're doing that, but yet, in reality, there's a lot of times that we do that. That we believe in God, we believe in healing, we believe that we're saved, and yet we're praying for certain things, and it doesn't happen the way we think it's going to happen, and it doesn't happen in the time frame that we think it's going to happen, so we start helping, and then we get frustrated, and it's still not working, and God's not paying attention, and this is stupid, and then all of a sudden we're back doing a bunch of stuff that we wish we weren't doing. And then more and more chaos and pain comes in. And then before we know it, we're too far down the path and destruction comes into our life. And then we're like, God, why did you do this to us? And he's like, I didn't do any of that. I've been trying to get you to do this stuff over here. You know, <clears throat> and that's really the message of Chronicles. But it's, it's said in a way of hope and restoration and mercy that you know, it's like, it's not that they couldn't read the scriptures. Like, everybody knew what they just went through. But Ezra is most likely the author of this. He's trying to write this in a way to give them hope that God is still moving in us. He's still moving in our country. He's still moving in, in you know, the remnant that is the, the Hebrew nation. He's still moving and trying to bring unity in the tribes. He's trying to bring the priesthood back to real worship and real devotion to God. He's trying to, to show them that this is what it used to be like with David and Moses. So let's get back to doing it their way. You know, so, you know, this genealogy is this important, you know, kind of weaved in and out of, of the, the Chronicles. And I remember so clearly when I first read it, I was a new believer, you know, and I stayed out of the Old Testament for a long time. I just focused on the New Testament, focused on the relationship with Jesus. And then it was like, okay, now we got to go into the Old Testament. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know, here's all the, the Santa Claus and Tooth Fairy stories, you know, and Moses splitting the Red Sea and, you know, Moses getting high and seeing a burning bush and, you know, and Jonah eats a whale, so somebody's definitely tripping there too. You know, it's like I had all these Sunday school memories of all these crazy supernatural things that were really ridiculous to me, and it got chalked up to Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny stories. So I was really apprehensive of going in the Old Testament. You know, that's why it was important for me. You know, I had Pastor Rick who was teaching me and a few of us as we went through it. So it's important as you go into some of these things that you have people that you're, you have a relationship with 
that you can say, what does this stuff mean? Because otherwise we get confused and we get, you know, overwhelmed by some of these stories and some of these stories drag on and I'm reading nine chapters of a genealogy, like what's the point? But God's trying to do something in and throughout this that he's trying to teach us that his ways are better than our own. Because we have to be convinced that if I keep doing it my way, I'm going to go back into destruction. And that's the, the message of the you know First Chronicles is that he's trying to teach them that if we stick to God's plan for our lives, then he's going to prosper us. The Messiah is going to come. It's going to come out of the house of David. We got to get back to true worship. We got to get back to doing the things that we used to do that were working. And we got to stay away from all these different idols in our lives. <clears throat> you know, that Jesus Christ was a descendant out of the lineage of David. But, you know, it's also that he moved through, you know, all these different people, you know, through these genealogies that they, they revere in a sense that you can see the pattern. There's people today that still keep these genealogies that back into the day, you know, and whose household is whose, you know, but it's, it's amazing to me that you read through the New Testament and you start to dabble in the Old Testament and you get to know some of the Old Testament and all of a sudden you start to recognize Jesus' words in the Old Testament. And you're like, oh, I remember reading that. Where is it? Oh, it's in Matthew. It's in Mark. It's in Luke. It's in John. All of a sudden you start to, to catch some of these prophetic messages that are woven in and throughout all of the Old Testament. You know, that it's not just a big history lesson. It's really pointing to Jesus. You know, so even as the Chronicle, First Chronicles is, is talking about David and Moses, it's talking about the Exodus. It's talking about the deliverance from Egypt. It's talking about getting away from Pharaoh. It's talking about the being united under the kingdom of God or the kingdom of David. And and God's moving in this because they would not be restored at this point if God didn't restore them. Because it wasn't their army. It was God moving in their lives that brought them back into Jerusalem and started to rebuild that city and rebuild their kingdom. You know, that David knew that worship was important. You know, we play the music, you know, in the beginning, you know, and I remember very clearly when I started going to Mount Zion back in the day, which is now Redeemer, and I would walk in the door and they'd be playing that music, and I'm like, oh, this is awful. And I would come because I didn't have a ride, so I was coming with people, and they would go in and they're raising their hands, and I'm like, what's wrong with these people? Because I did not understand the principle of why the music was being played. You know, it's not just music. That we've worshipped many different things in our life. We worship relationships, even though we don't like to admit it. We worship jobs and we worship money. We worship drugs and alcohol. We've given our whole entire lives to things. You know, and it's destroyed us. You know, and what God has showed me that, you know, in sporting events, when there's my team is doing well and an exciting play happens, what happens with my hands? They go up. I get really excited. You know, in another aspect for some of us that were criminals, that if we're getting chased and the cop says freeze, our hands go up. <laughs> because it's an act of surrender as well. So there's an element of surrender and an element of worship in the hand raising. 
you know, and I never got that at first. I just thought these Christians were crazy. But what I've learned is that I need to, to learn to worship, you know, and I didn't realize that at first. I remember going to a Christian festival and there was a bunch of music. There was a lot of hardcore music and heavy metal music. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And then at the end of the day, you know, you go over to the bigger tent and all the, the mainstream Christian artists are there. And it's like, okay, here we go. You know, Kayla, we, you know, and I'm sitting in the chair, but when it's played live, something's happening. You know, I remember I'm sitting there, I got my head down and my brain is racing and some guy comes over and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he prays for me. And tears just start flowing down my cheeks. And he left, I don't even know who it was. And I got up onto my chair and I went all the way over to the side and I put my hands up and I started singing the song and it was like God's presence came and it wrecked me in such a great, amazing way. I'm bawling, snot's coming out of my nose. And it showed me that God is more than going to church. God is more than you're supposed to read your Bible. God is more than you should be praying. That God can be worshipped. And we do it when we go to church. We sing the song. But what I learned is that I can do that in the privacy of my home. I can do that in my my vehicle. I can do that at any place. That I can all of a sudden put music on and start singing those songs, and God begins to show up. That it's not isolated to some building. It's not just here. Like, I can do this at any place. And that's what they were understanding, is that we got to get back to this heart of worship. You know, and for me, worship was tricky, because the music style was very against my belief system, because it's like, we don't, you know, they should drop the tuning and start screaming, and I'd be all about it. You know, and it's like, there's something about worship music that when you start singing these words back to God, God's presence begins to come. You know, and each one of us has to find our own flavor. Like the stuff that we listen to, you know, is my flavor. You know, I love live, intimate worship that talks about the struggles of life and, and it's real to me. You know, I don't like, you know, other styles, but other people do. And that's your flavor. And you got to find what works for you that you can say, I'm having a bad day. I'm putting this track on. I'm putting this CD in. I'm putting this, you know, artist on. And I'm going to sing until my whole atmosphere changes. You know, and we have to understand that worship is the, the very reason that Jesus came and died. Now, yes, it's the Savior, you know, to save us from our sins and set us free. But he tore the veil so that we could have intimacy with the Father. So that at any moment, we can stop what we're doing and focus on him and sing some songs. And the presence begins to come. You know, there is many different elements to mental illness. And I'm not trying to minimize that on any level. But as I began to worship God, depression and anxiety and insecurities began to get stripped more and more because I started to realize that there is a very big God and he's hanging out with me. And he makes my problems very small when he becomes very, very big. So it's so important that we begin to worship on whatever level. Each one of us has to figure out what works for us. You know, but, you know, it's important that we have that style of music or some style of music that we can get into 
worship. You know, some may be hip-hop, some may be hardcore heavy metal, some may be just generalized as worship. I've been in the middle of a mosh pit at a festival, and the presence dropped, and I'm sitting there, and there's people going crazy around me, and tears are flowing down my face. So I have learned that it can happen in any style, any genre of music. I've been listening to hip-hop, and the lyrics are just hitting, and all of a sudden I can feel the presence of God moving in the car. And so I've learned personally that God can move in any which way if we focus on God. You know, and this is the, the heart of what's being done right here is that Ezra is trying to say we need to get back to the heart of worship. We need to get back to devotion to God. We need to get back to doing the things that we were used to doing, that Moses told us to do, that the prophets told us to do, that David was an example of when he was doing the right things. And that's why it doesn't talk about his follies and his, you know, his failures. Is it because it, it's trying to get them to focus on when everything was going right for us, God was the center of our life. You know, and even us, when God is the center of our life, how much better is our day? How much better is our life? How much better is everything starting to focus and, and go in the right direction? And the second we take our focus off of Jesus and we start getting it on something else, all of a sudden it's like, what's going on? What's happening? You know, and we can go a week or two, a month, you know, even longer being stubborn and pressing through. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit kicks in and says, where have you been? And we're like, oh, I haven't prayed in a while. You know, oh, I haven't been listening to that music in a while. You know what? I haven't been to church in a while. You know, and sometimes it feels like we're hanging on by the skin of our teeth. And it's because we got distracted from what was, you know, showing us what was working. You know, so it's so important that we understand that worship should be a part of our life. That at some point throughout our week or day, you know, you got to do what's comfortable for you. Is that you should be, you know, setting aside some time and saying, God, I'm going to focus on you. You know, and one thing that I, I've understood too is that they, they say that David was a warrior, but David was a worshiper and he worshiped extremely, you know, and Sometimes when we're going through bad, crazy stuff that we feel like we're getting attacked, the best thing that we can do is worship God because we're showing that God is bigger than anything that we're going through. And all of a sudden, things start to get adjusted. You know, all of a sudden, it's like all of a sudden, you know, all these, you know, coincidences start to happen when I get my focus back on the thing that I should be focused on. Because I can focus on money and get squirrely too. I can get anxious over money and how's this bill going to get paid and all that. You know, something's wrong with my truck and all, you know. But all of a sudden, when I focus back on God and I see where he's brought me from and I start to remember what he's done and how he's delivered, you know, things in the past and how he's providing things in the past, all of a sudden that bill, no matter how big it is, becomes a little bit littler, you know, a little bit smaller, a little bit more tolerable. And does not mean that it becomes easy. It just means that my focus is in the right place because I can focus on the wrong thing and get, you know, very anxious and then, you know, anger is soon to follow and so is the ice cream and so is the Netflix and all of a sudden it's like, la la la, I have no problems. And I did not taking care of what I need to be taking care of and I'm not hanging out with God. I'm just like pretending like it's not there. I'm in denial. You know, so it's important that we're taking whatever it is that's stressing us out and saying, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to put this down for a minute and I'm going to get back in touch with you and I'm going to sing to you until you make me cry. And that's my thing. Like Jesus makes me cry all the time. All the time. 
You know, and I remember in the beginning, I hated it. Because it's like, I'm this big, scary, tattooed guy. I shouldn't be crying all the time. And I told him, I don't want to cry anymore. And all of a sudden, I stopped crying. And like a week went by, and I'm worshiping, and I'm praying, and, the, you know, and the tears didn't show up. And I'm like, okay, where'd you go? And he's like, well, you told me to back up from you. I'm like, well, that's not what I said. He's like, this was the symbol of my presence in your life. And I'm like, all right, I'll never complain about crying again. And I've been a crying mess ever since. <clears throat> you know, some people laugh. Some people get happy. You know, tears begin to flow. It doesn't mean I'm sad. It doesn't mean I'm depressed. It means that a lot of times I'm just overwhelmed with how good God is, that he saved this wretched sinner and wants to do amazing things in my life. And, and that's basically the story of Chronicles is like, We've all come out of craziness. We've all been in captivity in one level or another. And yet this merciful God has reached into our lives and came in and started to set us free. And we need reminders every now and again. And that's what this message was that he's giving to them as a reminder of how good God is. So it's important that we we know where we came from. You know, and I've said it before, but, you know, I have marks in my, my year. You know, where was I at New Year's? Where was I at St. Patty's Day? Where was I at my birthday? Where was I at the 4th of July? Where was I at Labor Day? You know, where was I at Thanksgiving? Where was I at Christmas? Because normally we always know where we're at on those types of days, even though we were partying every day in between. So all of a sudden we start to see, like, where was I last 4th of July? What was I going through last 4th of July? And you can almost remember, as bad as our memories are, you know, and like, you know what? I was sober. You know what? I wasn't sober. You know what? Wow, I'm doing a lot better than I was. You know, where was I in St. Patty's Day? Oh, I was a mess on St. Patty's Day. It was bad. And then, oh, nope, I was doing good. And there's these marks in our years, you know, and these are mine. You know, my birthday is in June, so it's, it kind of like fits in between. But we have to realize, you know, these little bumps in the road because we're growing, you know, even though we don't see it. You know, so it's it's good to look back every now and again, not to get depressed and not to get overwhelmed, but to see how far we've come. Because when we're in the daily grind with Jesus, it doesn't always feel like we're getting anywhere. But when we look back to where we were, where were you at New Year's? You weren't here. You know, or you weren't as far along in the path as you are today. You know, so all of a sudden, like, where was I, you know, a year ago, two years ago? Wait, wow, God's really doing all this stuff. Like, wow, I have my kids back in my life. Wow, I have a job. Wow, I'm about to start school again. Like, Because we can get focused on what's going on right here in the moment and get overwhelmed and say, God, where'd you go? But then it's like, wow, you know, I haven't been to jail in over a decade. That's pretty cool. You know, like God's doing stuff in my life that he's shown me that he is a, a better God to ser- uh, worship than any other God. So I just really encourage you, you know, if you're new to, to the Lord, if you're new to this Jesus stuff, stick to the New Testament. Learn about Jesus. Stay in the Gospels. Read the Gospel of John. Bounce into Romans. You know, bounce around some of the, you know, the smaller books. Learn about Jesus as much as possible because he will absolutely transform your life and your mind. You know, when you've got a little bit more of your, your walk, your, your, you know, relationship with Jesus and you have some relationship with other people and people that have been around a little bit longer, and you want to dive into some of the Old Testament, like, all right, I'm going to read it from the beginning to the end. Like, here we go. We're going to do it this time. Have somebody there that you can ask questions. You know, Google is amazing. You can Google just about anything today. So, I mean, you can Google 
any verse. You just type it in and hit Google, and all of a sudden, poof, you have a million different studies. You know, but it's important that you focus on Jesus if you're new to, to Christ. You know, and after that, go wherever. You know, and it's there's nothing that is really, you know, being hidden from you. It's just that the more you understand Jesus, the more you understand the Old Testament. You know, so I, I remember reading that book the very first time. I'm like, this is horrible. Like, why is this even in here? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And I remember the second time I was going to read this book, I'm like, oh, here we go. We're about to go into this book again. And I was reading it, and now I had way more Jesus. And all of a sudden, all these different verses are popping out, and I'm highlighting. I'm like, wow, I never saw that before. Wow. Because I was at a different place with my relationship with Jesus. I was at a different place with my walk with God, and things were making way more sense. You know, when I read it for the first time, when I had under a year sober, it was like the most boringest book in the history. It was a miracle that I got done with it. You know? But now I'm like, there's a lot of good stuff hidden in that book that I would have missed if I never went back to it because I thought it was boring. But through my relationship with Jesus is what made that scripture pop off the page. So I would just like to tell you, just keep pressing into Jesus. Jesus is in every single book of this Bible. He's on every single page. You know, we just have to begin to learn how to see it. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you how you never give up on us and you're merciful and you come and rescue us even when we're, you know, we do the wrong things, Lord, and we worship the wrong things, Lord. You, you come in and save us over and over and over again. Your mercy is new every day. Your grace is sufficient, Lord, and we are just so grateful for all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.